With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to recap the Chargers game. Sands is going to come by to talk about the game. Tom McLeavy is going to stop in for another McLeavy minute. And then I'll also do a Browns-Bengals preview at the end of this episode. Todd Pennington with Columbus-based Revolution Mortgage is the proud sponsor of the unofficial Bengals podcast. If you're looking to refinance into a very competitive low rate or cash out for debt consolidation or home improvements, now's the time with historically low rates. Contact Todd Pennington at 614-390-9520 or visit revolutionmortgage.com slash tpennington for more info. Revolution Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 1686046. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 1 Game Review LA Chargers 16, Cincinnati Bengals 13. Tough loss. Randy, 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 Randy. I'll tell you. When he was going, lining up to kick the field goal, I, I was actually hanging out with Tom McLeavy for the game, and I turned to Tom, and I was like, watch out for Bullock on this one. I just had a weird feeling about it. I don't know. I wish I was wrong. What are you going to do? I mean, we played well enough to win the game. We ended up not winning the game. You know, my initial reaction was like, cut him, cut him, cut But you, you can't. He's had a good career. I mean, he kicked a 50-yarder earlier in the game when he got a, another 43-yarder. You know, he was he was playing well. They said he miskicked that one kickoff. I actually thought he did that on purpose, but I don't know. You can't cut Randy Bullock. I mean, give him a chance. It's just so rare. I mean, a 31-yard miss is bad enough, as we all know. We're all suffering from right now. But to see a kicker pull up with his plant leg on a, on a kick, you don't really see it that much. You know, I, I thought he was really hurt. And at the same time, you know, my girl, ever the honest critic, she was like, it looks like what they do in basketball when they flop. <laughs> but I, I, he didn't flop. His leg legitimately cramped up. He was hurt. Something happened on that play. And he missed the field goal. So we move on. You know, he's going to be one of the guys on the injury list for this week. I just hope it doesn't get in his head. I hope that he's not on every plant, you know, thinking he's going to have a calf strain or something. You know, it's like when you pull a hamstring, you're tentative to start bursting on it. So it's really hard to get that mental confidence to sprint on a hamstring pull. And I can imagine that getting in a kicker's head. You know, he had a big kick to win opening day, Joe Burrow's debut. And uh, leg cramped up. So here we go. We move on. All right, let's get on to the good and the bad of the game. I guess the first good thing I want to point out is the ball placement by Joe Burrow. He was putting the ball in the proper place where only the receivers could catch it. He was giving guys a chance after the catch. It was exactly as advertised. Yeah, there was a couple missed throws. I I know the interception. I'm going to talk about Burrow's game a little bit more later in the show. 
but as one of the really positive things, that ball placement was great for the most part. Even the deep pass to Ross, when it left his hand, I was like, ah, oh, that's an overthrow. And, I mean, that was a real catchable ball. He put it within a foot of where it needed to be at that long distance. So, very good throw. Ball placement, number one thing to be excited about this week. The defense. Now, you can make an argument whether it was the Bengals' defense being great or the Chargers having a weak offense. I'm not sure which is which. It's probably kind of a hybrid of both. But the defense played well. Let's highlight a couple players. DJ Reader. He was shutting things down in the middle. I was calling his name out on a bunch of plays when we were watching the game here live. The defensive line played solidly, and Daniels played a good game too. He, you know, he, he was in there. He was active, even though he was limping around a little bit. But let's move on to some of the other areas. The linebackers, what a relief. You know, I, I mean, there was a couple plays that were let up, but they it left you hope for the season saying, we're not going to have this porous linebacking group. Bynes played a really good game. Pratt played a good game as well. You know, so I, I was very happy with the linebackers this game. Again, one of the biggest areas of concern. And the secondary. Will Jacks had a great game. Really tight coverage. You know what? When he was limping after that one play, it was a reality check for me. I'm like, imagine if he goes out for the season. Be on the lookout for that. We need a healthy William Jackson. He played very well this game. And the thought of not having him in there... Makes us pretty lean. But let's move on. Mackenzie Alexander, what a game. He was essential in stopping Keenan Allen this game. And he had a couple big plays. You know, you didn't even hear his name for most of the first half, which meant he was doing his job. Excellent. I'm so happy about him and Reader and Von Bell. Let's go. I mean, if we're going to talk safeties, Jesse Bates, coming-of-age game. I mean, you his career has been steadily increasing. And it seems like he's really hitting stride. He made some great plays. He was all over the field. I know he got called on the penalties. But, I mean, the one was, it was just a hard hit. And, you know, the the NFL never likes to see when a player's upper body and head gets jerked like that. But it was a clean hit. So, you know, whatever. I mean, the officiating is going to go both ways this season. So I'm not going to cry about that. But what a great game out of Bates. And Bell, aside from the one miscommunication play where Hunter Henry got 33 yards, Bell was playing a good game too. And he came up and made some tackles in the box that we needed that we didn't see last year. Very, very happy with this defense. And then let's go on to special teams. Really solid play. They let up the one big kick. Uh, People were putting that one on Bullock. But for the most part, shut down. You know, the punt coverage, the kick coverage, all good. Uh, the blocking on the field goals and extra points and the snaps and the hold, all good. Huber was dynamite. I, I It kills me when you can't down the ball inside the five when he bounces it there. I know it's hard because that ball, you, you can't predict the way that NFL ball is going to bounce. Or you can't predict the way that football is going to bounce. So I get it. But at times, you're like, when you see it just drop in there prior to the goal line, you're like, please, someone just hit it inbounds like you're playing basketball. And we cost Huber a couple really good punts that on the stat sheet are going to turn into touchbacks, but really should have been balls downed inside the 10-yard line. But great game out of the special teams unit. Very happy with that. So you know what? If, if this works like this and we play good defense and we play good special teams and we let Burrow grow into the job and get better and better, it's starting to build something here. And it's week one, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But those were a lot of the positives that I drew from this game. Oh, one last thing about the defense that I didn't mention earlier were the short yardage plays. Another killer last year. 
And, you know, a couple times on those goal line plays last year, you were like, oh, they're just going to waltz in the end zone. And we didn't let that happen this year. You know, we had the two fourth down stops. I know Tyrod slipped on the one, but still there was penetration there. We had the third and one stop that's just as important as those fourths. Very good job on the short yardage defense. And now move, let's move on to the offensive positives. I did mention Joe Burrow's ball placement was one. And then A.J. Green had, had, a, had a decent game based on the circumstances. And Gio did his job. Again, he brought us down to the three-yard line at the end. Always reliable, excellent. And you know the other standout for me was Mike Thomas. I'm getting excited about him. Burrow likes him. Burrow's looking for him. And he was clutch at near the end of the game. So from this game, even though it was a loss, those were the good things that I drew from it. And I'm feeling good. I was really mad after the game. I was like, I'm not even going to record this podcast for a day. I wanted to just brood about it. But, you know, as the night went on, I cooled off. I, I actually did an interview with Sands, which you're going to hear in a little bit. kind of brought me back down to earth a little bit. It's just one game. It's a long season. There's still plenty of time to have a better than 500 record and then hit your stride in the playoffs and go. So no panic on this end. It, it was upsetting because I thought we were going to win that game. It just had the vibe of something that we were going to win. But I'm, I'm good with it. All right. I guess because it's my job, I have to review some of the bad things about the game and some of the plays that cost us. Obviously, the mix and fumble. You know what? Fine. No problem, Joe. You're not a fumbler. You're all good with me. I actually know you're going to go into the next game as mad as a hornet, man. So, no sweat. I'm not blaming anything on you. You've been so reliable during your career. Things happen. It was a turnover. We move on. Um, The Burrow miss on Green, that was a big play. I mean, Green busted open. But you know as the season goes, he's not going to miss that throw too much. So I'm I'm not worried about that either. The shovel passes by Burrow. He did it three times. I don't think he's going to be doing it again. So I think we're all good there. I think that was just rookie inexperience and thinking that things that worked in college, he could just make work in the NFL. But it doesn't always work that way. Fine with it. That's correctable. The A.J. Green play, uh, it was offensive pass interference, but it was so minor. It didn't need to be called. I mean, the throw, the play, I can't believe he got two feet in on that. Just a, a really good moment, again, that officiating blew for us. But it was the right call, unfortunately. I mean, they should have been calling it more consistently the whole game if they were going to do that at the clutch time off of a really great play. But it is what it is. Uh, John Ross, my man, tough game. Uh, you know, a couple a couple big plays in there. That false start hurt us. It wasn't a drop in the end zone, obviously. But, you know, I don't know. I, I thought it could have been caught. Burrow put it on himself. He said it, was, it wasn't the greatest pass. He could have put it a little bit better. But still, I would have liked to have seen Ross make that play. And he, and he will. I, I, I have faith. And then the one juggling play out of bounds. I was excited that he grabbed it, a big play at the time. And then when they reviewed it, I'm like, yeah, that was legit. He did actually juggle that ball. So the real bad of the game was the offensive line. I I mean, they regained their composure in the second half, which is a positive thing. And I know that's a tough defense and a tough defensive line to play. I'm, I'm down with that. I get you. But I was really concerned and not happy with the right side of the line. So Afila was not looking good when he was in there. And that's not going to be a total judgment on him for the rest of his Bengal career. I'm just saying he looked a little overwhelmed in week one, 
And Billy Price looked a lot better when he was in there. So I don't know what's going to happen for week two, if Suofilo is going to be okay or if it's going to be performance-based. But, you know, maybe Billy Price pops into that starting lineup. He held up on his own on, on quite a few plays in that game. And Bobby Hart, it's a shame because all Bengals fans get on this guy and no one really likes him. It's a, You know, it's hard for a player to play under those circumstances. But he didn't help his cause in this game by letting up the sacks, the pressures, the false start. I don't know. I mean, at, at halftime, I was talking with Tom McLevy saying, are, are they going to bring in Fred Johnson? And that's even scarier that they didn't bring in Fred Johnson. They don't feel that he's ready enough to hop in there, even in a game where Hart was really struggling. And I don't know. You know, sometimes we're quick to pull the trigger because we get mad at players. Maybe Zach Taylor has the more even head in this situation, saying I'm not going to blow my right, my best right tackle's confidence by pulling him at halftime in game one. So I understand, but I know a lot of people were calling for Fred Johnson to get in there. They were killing Hart on social media. So that was another one of the negatives, was the offensive line in general. Jonah played decently, something to build off of. Didn't hear much about Jordan. Hopkins looked good, obviously, on the most visible play when he was blocking for Joe Burrow. But it just seemed like the pass rush was getting there constantly, whether it was from the ends or the tackles. So without looking at the tape in full, I don't know exactly who was letting up everything, but the right side was was not looking good. So that's a little bit of an area of concern. And the lack of spreading the ball around was a little disappointing because we all went into the game thinking that Burrow was going to be the point guard and just, you know, everyone was going to have five catches and, you know, 70 yards on the day. It was tough, though. With that pass rush, there wasn't a lot of time to find anybody except your superstars. That's why AJ had all the catches. And they have great corners. And the corners were playing well. I was watching. I mean, look at all the contested catches. Even the AJ Green catches, most of them were in tight windows. And I think the combination of the pass rush and the ability of the corners led to not nothing from Tate, nothing from Higgins. I wasn't even sure how many snaps each of those guys got. I, I know they were in there a bit, but not that much. It really seemed like after Green and Boyd that Thomas was the most popular target. Well, I guess Ross, but you know it was a tough game to spread the ball around. And then the last negative, I guess, in the game is Nick Vigil, who killed us for two years when he's on our team has the fumble recovery. I know it's going to go in the stat sheet as a fumble recovery, but in reality, the ball bounced right in his lap. So there, you got us, Nick. But that's enough of the bad. I'm good with it. Overall, I think it was a positive game for us. I mean, a loss is never totally positive, but there was a lot of good things to take from this game. All right, moving on. So I talked about a lot of the positive things that the players did this game, and there were some very good performances. And Joe Burrow, you know, on the stat sheet, it was pretty pedestrian, and there were some up-and-down moments, but a lot of positives. That play-action slant to AJ, I don't know if you guys remember it, he put it in Mixon's stomach, pulls it out at the last second. Just a ton of people around him and Mixon and AJ Green not even open, and he just slings it in there perfectly. That was really, truthfully, I think that was the most encouraging throw of the game for me. I Just the poise to be able to do that with that many bodies flying around Really good throw. That's something to build on. The quarterback draw was great because I didn't know if he was going to get in the end zone when when it was first happening. I know he had Trey in front of him. They blocked the one guy. And I was like, I hope he doesn't get tackled awkwardly at the nine-yard line. And he just goes way faster than anybody thinks. He's going to be dangerous doing stuff like that this year. I don't want to do it too much because, you know, there's a lot of heavy hitters out there. I don't want to lose him on a quarterback draw 
But when they have the outside push, like the Chargers, I mean, if you look at the replay of that play, the two sides just caved in on the outside, and the middle was just wide open. Really good play call. I would have liked to have seen that do it even a little bit more. The protection was messing with Joe a little bit. You know, he didn't have to experience that at LSU, basically someone coming at him untouched on every play or basically untouched. So you, you saw it in his face a little bit. He was a little bit definitely not overwhelmed. He's he's definitely got some coolness. But you could see it was it was like, whoa, this is a different game than I thought it was. And a lot of things were happening more quickly than he thought. But he adjusted, and he's going to adjust. He's going to be fine. The three shovel passes were killing me. After he did the first one, I'm like, he's not going to do that again. Then he did it again, and then he did it again, which was the real detriment. But I get it. It's his first game. It worked in college. And he looked good in the final drive. You knew it, right? As a Bengal fan, you were like, he's going to win this game for us. You saw it. He was calm. He was making the throws. He's going to be deadly in the fourth quarter this year. He's got that poise. He has that accuracy. It was all coming through in that last drive. So look for us this season to have a bunch of games where we're driving at the end of the game to try to win it or tie it. And he's got that exciting arm. You know, no offense against Andy. I love Andy Dalton. But there were some throws where I was like, I don't know if Andy could have made that throw. So I'm excited about Burrow. Good game. Not a great game. But definitely positive things to build on. A.J. Green was hyping him up after the game. And he had a 62% completion percentage. So that's a pretty good number for a game that wasn't this big, high-flying passing game. I mean, he threw for less than 200 yards, but he was accurate. And there were a couple throws that were just rookie throws. He had that first throw to Mixon out of the backfield, which was good. Second throw, totally off target on third down. It's okay. I get the jitters at that point. And then the miss on A.J. But, you know, aside from that, pretty accurate. I'm, I'm excited. AFC North standings. Okay, I know it's early, but I'm going to be doing the standings every week. The Bengals are currently in third place in the division. We have the Ravens at 1-0, and they have the divisional win, Pittsburgh at 1-0. And then us in Cleveland at 0-1. Cleveland has the divisional loss, so that's why they're below us. So I like to refer to a tiebreaker as a half a game. So I view us right now as one and a half games behind Baltimore. X's and O's with Sands. All right, we're here with Sands. Sands, what's your opinion on this game? It's a very hard one to take. So I thought our defense played a superb game. Uh, it was either four or five out of the 12 Chargers drives. We got a three and out. And then I believe two other times we got them to go six and out. So they just got one first down. We didn't get any turnovers, but when you play like that, it's it's just about as good. I mean, it's, it's tough to take. I feel like everything broke the other way with uh Bates having an amazing game I thought he was probably our best defender maybe William Jackson was better he played inspired as well played great coverage you got those two unnecessary roughness penalties one was shoulder to shoulder but it was a big hit so they called it and the other one Keenan Allen lowering his helmet to initiate contact and they call it both ways when that normally would have just been a loss of downs but you gotta live and move on Joe Burrow played decent for his first game he made that one real bad rookie mistake, the shuttle pass. Everybody's going to talk about it. They're going to know about it. I don't want to harp on it too much. He made some great throws. He made that one beautiful throw of what Master Hasselbeck says is one of the hardest passes in the league to make. And it makes or breaks NFL quarterbacks is to be able to throw the ball just over top, not as much on a frozen rope so that the linebacker can knock it down just over the linebackers out of reach and then right before the safeties and the other coverage, but not so slow that they can make a big play on it. And he delivered it beautifully to Boyd. That was 
probably my favorite throw of the game. I mean, you, if you look back and we get any of these big breaks, I mean, Randy, obviously, if he hits the field goal, if they don't call that offensive pass appearance on Green, which I want to say A.J. Green might have been the best player, too. He's he's back. I mean, <laughs> he was killing it. He ran that little hitch route and kept, he was able to make contested catches. He was beating people downfield. He was wide open on that one play Burrow missed him on. If, he, if any of those connect, I mean, we're looking at a different game. We're looking at a big touchdown to A.J. Green, big stat line for Burrow. But it's the way it is. I mean, we're going to have to play better on Thursdays. From a scheme perspective, the one thing I found interesting was on defense, a lot of late motion with our safeties. We would come out in what looks like a single high set, which is one safety deep, and you're, that's an indicator for cover one or cover three. And we played that 66% of the time. And I saw quite a few times Von Bell would be up there and then he basically backpedals fast as he can to get into a deep half, which is taking half of the field. That's a two high set. And that's basically the big difference in almost every defense is whether it's middle of the field open or middle of the field closed. Middle of the field closed, you're going to have one deep safety in the middle of the field. Middle of the field open, the safeties are split down the middle. They're ones on one side, ones on the other. And I thought both our safeties played great, but I just really want to shout out Jesse Bates he played amazing. He made that beautiful breakup on Hunter Henry in the end zone. He was reading the Tyrod Taylor extremely well. If he can keep that up all year, he's going to get a big payday. Uh, William Jackson played great. Uh, that's always just been, he's a little bit inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on. And he was great today. The only thing I remember not being great was, I think Keenan Allen made like a one-yard catch, and he didn't make the tackle right away, and he turns it into a 10-yard play. But I thought he played amazing. Really interesting thing from the Chargers that they ran a lot of gap or power run blocking last year. And without changing the offensive coordinator or head coach, they basically switched to almost entirely zone running. I don't know if our defense was completely ready for it, and they ran a little bit of that Ravens pistol, a lot of that actually. They ran a lot of that pistol jet motion somebody over, and then a zone read, which is just you're looking at the defensive end. He's not blocked. If he comes at the quarterback, you're going to hand it off basically comes down the line he's going to fake the handoff and go around him if he tries to stay there and play the quarterback he hands it off because he's basically taking himself out of the play but we played pretty well on it i know it's tyrod so it's not lamar but a little bit of hope we ran a lot of empty not again not zero personnel we still had either mixon or bernard on the field and a lot of times also still had uzama on the field we ran a lot of empty just five linemen blocking you know the problem with that is that you're not leaving somebody in the block so Joey Bosa had a huge first half. He beat everybody on the line. I did want to shout out Trey Hopkins on the quarterback draw. Put some syrup on them. He got a pancake there after Burrow pushed him into the cornerback. Something you love to see. And then we ran that quarterback draw again. And that's that's one of the things with Zach Taylor's play calling I liked was he had a few ways to slow down the defense's pass rush, whether it's the quarterback draw, which will make them not rush as hard, because you don't want to give up 20 yards to Joe Burrow on a quarterback draw. And then there was one sequence we ran. I wish we ran more of it. it looked like an RPO power peak play, which is the guards pooling, so it's a power, and Burrow pulled it out of there, and the peak is just the little skinny post slant to A.J. Green. Went about 10, 15 yards. That was a great play. I think that's something that we should make really a staple of this offense because it works so well. And then right after that, we ran a play-action tight end screen to Joey Bosa's side trying to get him to slow down. So Jonah Williams, when I was watching him, in the first half, 
it's his first game ever, so I'm not going to be too rough. But And he's playing what I think is a top three edge rusher in the league, which edge is just a defensive end in a 4-3 or in a 3-4-5-2 with the outside linebacker. Jonah Williams, he, he was losing quite a few battles to Joey Bosa, but I'm not going to hold that too much against him. And then it looked like after Xavier Suofilo went down, who was having a pretty bad game, I hope he's all right, but it looked like when Billy Price came in, he had he played a little bit better. He took a tackle and twist. He took the loop from both. He was able to pass off the tackle, who's going outside, and passed him off to Bobby Hart, who did fine on it. And Bosa looped around and comes crashing in as hard as he can. Billy Price was able to hold his own on that play, and that it really impressed me because I don't think it's something he would have done last year. I hope he really improved it. I know he trained with uh, Duke Mannyweather, so he's one of the best trainers for offensive linemen in the entire league. But Joey Bosa, he he really took advantage of our entire offensive line, but we start giving him a few chips, slow him down with the screens and draws. And then Melvin Ingram, who had that great interception, I don't want to talk too much about it. <laughs> it makes you a little upset. But uh, I thought Jonah held his own against Melvin Ingram a little bit. He might have lost one or two, but he really did well. I thought it looked promising. I definitely don't think he looked nearly as bad as any of our other first-round offensive linemen in the past, what, five years? Basically, Ogbuihi and Price. I think he looked pretty... You could see why he was a first-round talent, even if he was getting beat once in a while by one of the best players in the league. Wow, Sands, you're watching the same game as me, and you're just seeing so many things I'm not seeing. I'm, I'm really happy to have you on doing this analysis, bro. Yep, good talking to you. McLevy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLevy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frank. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. How you feeling after that loss? <laughs> well, we could easily say same old Bengals. You know, they always find a way to lose. But, you know, you can't look at it from yesterday's game. I'm, you have to be impressed with Joe Burrow. He looked poised. Looks like he was taking control of the the offense. Listen, I think he got hit more in one quarter than he did two years at LSU. Uh, to get right back up and not be discouraged, um, especially you know after that shuffle pass try. Listen, he, you know he's still a rookie with an unprecedented off season. No OTAs, no preseason games. I was impressed of how he handled himself. And as the game went on, he was getting more confident, more control of the uh, offense. Like I said, the score I predicted was totally off. I liked the fact that uh, he ran that draw play, apparently uh, audible, um, but I said that's how you offset that pass rush. It looks like he read that defense, saw that the middle was wide open, and he's an athletic guy. And it showed the way he took off and the way he read that downfield block and went into the end zone. One of the other uh, issues, I said, how the offensive line plays. Uh, listen, like I said, he was hit more in that first half, especially. That offensive line looked lost. Bobby Hart in particular. Of course, we knew this going in, but the question is what, do, the, what they feel about Fred Johnson compared that they stuck with Bobby Hart. That's the issue. You know, they felt enough to keep Bobby Hart out there. So that tells a lot of how they really feel about Fred Johnson. Also, 
uh, AJ Green looked great. You know, being off basically a year and a half, and uh, him and uh, Joe Burrow had a nice rapport there. Joe Burrow threw some nice passes to where only a receiver could catch it. It's impressive, impressive. You got to wonder, is this organization, you know, snake-bitten? You know, Joe Mixon doesn't fumble anytime, and he fumbles yesterday. Guy comes in to kick a game-tying field goal, and he misses it. You know, the coaching staff and the trainers were probably one horse telling these players to drink plenty of fluids so you don't cramp up. It's hot. You know, we haven't played before. Drink plenty of fluids. So I guess the kicker felt that, you know, I don't need to. I'm just a kicker. You got to wonder. I was impressed with the way they came out in the third quarter. They addressed the problem, the offensive line problem. They said it was a um, communication errors that were the problem. They came back second half. They were able to keep Joe Burrow more upright. So that was a positive. Day after Monday morning quarterback digesting the, the scenario, I'm looking at it where... You know what kind of boost that would have gave this team? Zach Taylor said, you know something? We're going for the win. Screw tying it. We're going to go for the win. That would have bode so well for this team, even if they didn't make it and they didn't score. You know something? It just shows that Joe Burrow is our leader, and we have confidence in him. You know, I'm not killing him either way. I I wouldn't kill him if he tried it. Or I'm not killing him for the fact that he kicked the field goal, but with no preseason. And this is uh, the first game. You know, may, maybe he should have looked at it like, let's not risk having these guys play in overtime in the first game, risking injury. And, you know, maybe he could have said, you know, let's, let's end it now. But, you know, either way, the kick should have been made. And so, you know, once again, the Bengals lose in a way only they could find. But like I said, I'm not killing them because the fact that it was so, so many positives to take away from that game. You know, Joe Burrows being the the team leader saying it was his fault that he missed John Ross. But John Ross had steps on that guy and he should have adjusted to the ball dropping that out-of-bounds catch. You know, this guy's on a short leash, and you keep doing mistakes like this, you're going to find him on the bench. It's a shame, but, um, you know, he has to step up. And, the, you know, the defense played excellent. Bynes, excellent game. William Jackson, phenomenal game. Jesse Bates was a true game-changer in that defensive backfield. You know, Darius Phillips took his lumps, but, you know, you have to, they had to go after somebody. They tried with William Jackson in the first quarter, and he wasn't having it. So they went after Darius Phillips. Hey, you know, it is what it is. I just feel that the the Chargers overall kept the Bengals in the game with some of their uh, play calling. But it's, you know, the first week for both teams, no preseason games so uh they'll build off of this uh both teams will build off of this also you know zach taylor with them blowing the 
the timeouts so early in the fourth quarter. Listen, you know, I'm not killing him on that. He's a rookie in his first game. Every drive mattered, and unfortunately, you know, they had a they had a call when they felt that we needed to get some uh, different people in, or or the clock was winding down. So. It's a shame, but Joe Burrow will learn off of this. I totally agree he will. Overall, I was happy. We'll see what happens on Thursday night. The, the thing about it, now both teams have tape. I'm a big believer in uh, having tape on other teams. Now we can see how Baltimore you know, destroyed Cleveland, and hopefully we can take advantage of those uh, miscues that Cleveland did. Wow, Tom. Excellent takes as always. You know, it, it was a pleasure watching the game with you this week, and I'm looking oh, yeah. forward to the rest of the season, man. Nice having you on Absolutely. the show. Absolutely. It was great uh, seeing you again in person. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I just I know you felt that you were a little frustrated after the, the game. But, you know, I'm just putting it to the fact that, you know, we had no preseason. Coming into game one like they did, I just, uh, the whole team played great. Week two preview, Bengals at Browns. All right, since we're playing the Browns on Thursday night, I'm going to combine the preview for week two with the review of week one. So here we go. This is the scouting report and the preview of the Bengals-Browns game. So regarding injuries for the Bengals, we're still going to have Atkins and Williams out. And that's going to hurt this game having Atkins out because of the running game of the Cleveland Browns. So we're going to miss him a lot more this week than we did last week, unfortunately. Randy Bullock is questionable, but I'm I'm assuming that he's going to play. They did sign a kicker, Austin Siebert. So it's unlikely he's going to play this week, but they have him on the roster as insurance against a Bullock injury and probably to push Bullock a little bit after the result of last game. And then we have Suafilo going on the IR for now. He hurt his ankle, so he's had a history of injury problems. And unfortunately, he got injured game one. So I don't know when he's coming back. He is on IR, so he is going to be out for a few weeks, maybe even the whole season. I'm not sure I didn't get an updated report on that. And then the surprise injury was Sam Hubbard uh, surfaced on the injury report with a knee injury. So I'm sure he'll be full go for Thursday night's game. But again, you don't like to see one of your star players with a knee injury this early. Another thing about the game is that the Bengals are five-and-a-half-point underdogs, so, you know, they just never get any respect. I know on Thursday night the home team seems to have a heavy advantage, but this isn't a real big travel game for Cincy. They're, they're pretty close to Cleveland. But the Browns are at home, and you do have that Thursday night factor, so that probably contributes to the five-and-a-half. But, I mean, if you just look on paper that the Bengals played a team that was considered superior very tough, and the Browns just got shelled by the Ravens. And we don't know if the Browns played that bad or the Ravens are that good. I mean, I watched the game. The Browns looked flat. But it's tough to gauge them against an opponent like that. But you would think that Vegas would be a little kinder to the Bengals and bring that spread down a little bit because the Bengals did play a pretty good Week 1 game. But that's the story of our team. We never get the respect. And, you know, you can't argue with Vegas. They're, they're usually right. So... Hopefully they're wrong in this instance, but I do want to say I wish that they had been a little cooler with the spread. All right, the first series against the Browns. What do we do? How do we attack the Browns? You know what I say? I say let's get Mixon in their head right away. Obviously, Joe is going to be very upset after fumbling last game, so he's going to be on fire. And, you know, we've run successfully on the Browns in the past. They do have a good defensive line, but I would say let's start the game Mixon up the middle. 
and then mixing up the middle again. And then a quick slant. Let's just start the game like that. Get them thinking, oh, they're going to be running, they're going to be doing quick plays all day. And that'll open up things as the game progresses. Areas of concern for this game. Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, and Miles Garrett. You know they're going to put him on Bobby Hart, and he's going to be coming all day. It's just going to be like Bosa last week, unfortunately. It's lucky they got a look at Bosa last week, and they saw how their offensive line reacted to someone like him. So maybe they can plan for Garrett a little bit better. But that's a good defensive line if they're all healthy. I mean, you have Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Joby. I mean, that's that's a pretty tough defensive line. So again, we're going to be pressured a lot, and our offensive line is going to be put to the test. So I'm a little concerned about that matchup, but I really think that Miles Garrett is in for a big game unless we come up with a real intelligent way to neutralize him. And then defensively, areas of concern, I'm going to say it seems like the Browns have two really good players on all of the offensive skill positions. You know, as a receiver, you have Landry and Beckham to worry about. So now that's going to be a problem for the corner position. Will Jackson should probably hold down his side, but they're going to be going at Darius Phillips and, you know, whoever else comes in on that side. So that's another area that I'm a little worried about. I'm hoping that we hold up at left corner. And then you have Joku and Hooper. Hooper was a good pickup in the offseason, and I've always been a David and Joku fan, so I'm a little worried about him. He's done his damage against us in the past, so this is going to be another good test. Let's see how the linebacking core holds up. I think Logan Wilson gave up a few plays last week. He didn't look horrible, so this is going to be another test for him in coverage. That brings me to the other area of concern, which is Chubb and Hunt. You know, obviously Chubb is one of the best in the league, and Hunt is not a bad player himself. So those guys are going to give us problems, and they do have a good offensive line. At times, they looked really good against the Ravens, you know, up front with some good runs, and then at times they looked out of sync. So I'm going to hope for the out-of-sync Browns this game, but if their offensive line gets going and they start getting Chubb going, it's going to be a very rough day for us. So that's another area of concern. What would I do? How would I approach this game if I was the coach of the team? I would say offensively, as I said a little bit earlier, mix and mix and mix and mix and he's got a chip on his shoulder from last week. They are a little vulnerable at the second level and even at the safety position in my opinion. So this could be a good game for Mixon. And then, you know, you set it up with some play action. And then the other thing, you involve your third and fourth receivers. You know they're going to be all over AJ. I don't know if Ward is going to follow him around, but you know he's going to get double coverage. So you're going to be looking for the other guys. I'm, I'm sure Boyd is going to have a share of opportunities, but I'm even thinking like you're Ross and Boyd and Tate against the other corner position, that might be a place where they're going to go a little more frequently, you know, because like they're going to be on AJ because he showed that he's Burrow's favorite target. So we might have to spread the ball around. I think that's one of the keys to offense in this game. And then what do you do defensively? I'd say you're going to have to take out Landry or Chubb. You're going to have to do like the Bill Belichick method of taking out their best offensive players. So you're going to have to kind of have to pick one of those guys and commit and then hope you can win the matchup against the other. And, you know, a big one is going to be Mackenzie Alexander, because I think he's going to see a lot of Odell on the slot. I think he's probably going to even see some Landry. So if he can hold up his position, and then you take out their best player, and then, you know, William Jackson holds up on the other side, we could be in good shape defensively. So that's what I'm thinking might be the way to take that. And then you want to try to bait Baker into an interception. You know, he's an accurate thrower, he's got a good arm, but he does make that mistake sometimes. So you want to try to scheme things up where you confuse him a little bit, maybe let him think he's seeing one thing, and then at the last minute, he's it's changing up into another. 
Uh, just like last week, like Sam's had mentioned, at times they were in a two-high safety look, and then they would bolt out of it into a one-high safety, and sometimes vice versa. So it might take some deception like that to give Baker a few confusing looks and make him get rid of the ball. So that's the way that I would attack the Browns. You know, we'll see what the team has conjured up for this game. So I got the Bengals 27-24. Let's think, each team's probably going to score three touchdowns. You know, you're not going to shut down that Browns offense all day. And I think that Burrow kind of found his stride at the end of last game, and the corners for the Browns aren't nearly as good as the corners for the Chargers, so there are going to be some more windows to throw into. So with any luck, the Bengals get three touchdowns, two field goals, and the Browns get three touchdowns, one field goal. We win the game by three right off into the sunset. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Bengals-Browns game, and we'll also get Tom McLevy and Sands to come in to discuss the results of that game as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Great Bengals Highlights set to some really cool music. Definitely something that you guys got to check out. And I'd also like to thank the ZDN Network. That's at ZDN Network on Twitter or Instagram. They continue to help out this show immensely. Go check out the website, www.zdnetwork.com, for merchandise and the full lineup of shows. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.